Welcome to the Wear Wag Repeat Podcast. I'm Tori Mystic, here with my dogs, Lucy and Bert. Together, we're interviewing cool, creative women entrepreneurs in the pet industry. Do you dream of working alongside your dog? Then sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode to find the inspiration and resources that will help you grow your own dog-inspired business. On this episode, I'm talking to an artist who has taken her creative skill set and combined it with business experience in a variety of industries to create a successful pet brand. Style and design are at the core of everything she does, but operations, hiring, and accounting are necessary components that she's figured out through trial and error and with the help of a wonderful support network. Listen until the end to hear all about her dog's obsession with Chewbacca. (laughs) Let's dive in. Lion and Wolf designs and creates modern and colorful pet products for dogs, cats, and their stylish owners. Their unique pet beds are the perfect place for your four-legged friends to sleep like a dog, yet are stylish enough to display in your stylish home. Founder Sarah Rowe has always been an animal lover and grew up with a small menagerie of animals in her backyard. The majority of her childhood was spent sewing her own clothes and caring for animals. And growing up, Sarah wanted to be an artist or a vet. But since science wasn't really her strong suit, she went the art route and obtained a degree in textile design from RISD, the Rhode Island School of Design. After juggling a variety of careers, Sarah founded Lion and Wolf in 2015 and is excited to be able to combine her knack for design with her love for animals by creating contemporary and well-designed pet goods. Hey, Sarah. Hey. So yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you because you're... Bio, I feel like it sounds like a mirror, like a sliding doors of my history. I always tell people when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a fashion designer or a vet. And (laughs) now here I am doing like stylish dog mom stuff. So (laughs) I I feel like we're kindred spirits. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about your kind of path that you took. I know mine is like a very windy path that I took to get where I am and doing the job that I'm doing now. Um, I guess after you graduated from RISD, kind of what was your path that led you to get here to Lion and Wolf? Yeah, it definitely wasn't straightforward. I think growing up, people always said like, oh, you should sell that or anything that I made, but it never quite made sense. I I would try like little things here or there, but it was always just kind of like a side project selling at a a holiday craft sale or something like that. So I graduated and I started doing some work in knitwear at the time. So designing sweaters for Talbot and living in the UK and working at some fashion brands over there. And then I kind of, the fashion industry, I think sometimes can be a bit of a tough place to work in terms of like ethics and people being nice to each other. So I left that for a little while. It was also kind of the recession around 2008 was a bit of a tough time to get a job. So I ended up becoming a Montessori teacher um, for a couple of years working in uh, preschools. My background, I went to Montessori school and loved a type of educational philosophy. So did that for a few years. Then I ended up having a bit of some health issues with getting chronic Lyme disease. So I had to take a step back from 
wow. my career and ended up having to work part time. So I was working as a office um, manager at a complimentary healthcare clinic, which actually I got a lot of good experience just kind of running the administrative side of that and learning about bookkeeping and talking to customers. So even though it wasn't like my lifelong career goal, still trying to draw some good things out of that and learn from it. Then worked as a production manager for a hardware startup. So that was great experience learning about manufacturing, like shipping internationally, logistics, sourcing parts. And then it kind of just felt like the right time to start something on my own. So I was trying to figure out something that I could make myself efficiently, but also something related to what I was like passionate about. And I had done some freelance sewing, uh, making pillows for a company and kind of put that together with dog beds. We had just gotten my dog and couldn't find anything like a stylish dog bed that kind of fit into our home. They were all kind of boring or like just solid beige. I tend to really like colorful things. So it was kind of put those two things together and decided to start making dog beds. I love it. Well, what I think <laughs> is like so cool about this story is that even though it is like your work experience is like maybe when someone first looks at it, they're like, it's kind of all over the place. But mm-hmm. you seem to have taken from each job some kind of experience that you can apply to your own business. So like, learning about manufacturing or learning about accounting, or I'm sure at teaching at the Montessori school, being very hands-on and creative and collaborative or... Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think there's something to be said for that because we can't always just like immediately start what we want to start. Sometimes you have to do all these other things to like learn the puzzle pieces. (laughs) Exactly. And I think it's trying to like, even if every job you have is not your dream job, it's trying to look at it of like, what can I use from this to like take me forward in my career? And doesn't always have to be forever, but right. I don't know as I would have been as uh, gotten to where I am if I'd done this like straight out of college. Um, I think all those drawing from those experiences has been really helpful. And then also, I mean, I definitely don't didn't have all the answers to start. <laughs> yeah, you might have gotten frustrated and just like quit it. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm wondering, because you do, you said you love color and stylish textiles and stuff, and you do have a degree in textile design. Do you design the prints that are used on your beds and collars and bandanas and everything? I don't. That is definitely like a long-term goal Yeah. that I have. It's It has more to do with the sourcing um, of the, like where to get the thing, the fabrics printed right. um, and doing that efficiently. I've started playing around with it. I actually, we have a dog bed down in the basement that was like the first design that we've done. Um, So I need to photograph it. So it's definitely like in the works, but also just, it's really fun to source inspiration. And and I love Japanese textile design. So it's interesting to see what customers respond to. And then I can use that going forward, creating our own designs um, inform that. Yeah, that's very interesting. And you talk about sourcing and finding a way to print your own textiles. Have you found any great resources? Because I know that I think there's a lot of people who listen to this. There's so many bandana makers Mm -hmm. out there. And that's kind of like, if you know how to sew, that's an easy way to get started. I have found some really cool, unique things on like Spoonflower. And, you know, they're always pushing you to like 
design your own stuff. And they have all these artists. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'll like paint something and print it out. Yeah. <laughs> but it's pretty expensive to have custom stuff printed through them. So have you uh, had any luck sourcing things in other ways? Yeah, I've definitely like Spoonflower, I think is a great kind of consumer entry level way to get into it. And like user friendly, if you're not very familiar with textile design repeats. But yeah, finding someone that does wholesale uh, digital printing is definitely a challenge and continues to be. But one of the wholesalers I use is Robert Kaufman, who is like a fabric manufacturer, and they actually do uh, digital printing as well. So I've been using them mainly, if, like, again, as with, if you buy a more, larger amount, like 100 yards or something, then you obviously get much better pricing than one yard <laughs> for right. spoon flour. So yeah, try, it's trying to like balance ordering a lot of fabric, but not having a million yards that you're <laughs> going to use for the rest of your life. <laughs> you don't want to stock the same pattern for the next 50 years. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Just everything in my house will be made out of this one print. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll have curtains and yeah. couch <laughs> cushions and yeah. your bedspread. <laughs> that would be kind of a neat <laughs> installation, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm so curious because as a fellow like creative person who is trying to run a business, how much of your time in your business is split between like the business, logistics and operations, and then the creative side of things? That's a really interesting question. Again, for at least there's like so many creative people out there that perhaps are interested in starting their own business. But I think the part that's not talked about as much is that there's actually business, sorry, the creative side is like actually quite a small proportion of the time that you spend running your business, there's a whole host of other things that you need to do, like just running the website, creating all the copy for that, doing all the accounting. I would love to actually create more time for myself to do design work, but I'd say maybe like 15 to 20% is design work. And some of that, but even within that is just like solving little design problems of like the function of the, I don't know if there's an issue with like how the zipper's working or so I'd say the majority of the design was actually done in the like startup phases of the company um, before actually everything had gone live. So kind of like creating your brand identity, for example. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was, I mean, and that was like really fun to do. Um, it'd be kind of interesting to like go back and do that all again now with knowing what I know. But yeah, even just like sourcing piping, uh-huh. you know, that's like a fairly time intensive project and it's not necessarily super creative but then it does play a piece in the creative process so you know once you get all the like I don't know you get all the fa- the color swatches and then you kind of realize okay I'm limited to these colors mm-hmm. so then I need it's trying to like it's be like creative, creative problem solving exactly yeah making it work with what you have available and you know you need to make things cost effective so you can't get the most like the finest piping from Italy. (laughs) Um, I think that's where the challenging business part comes in. Like, especially for me, I have all these creative ideas and all these things I want to pursue. And then I realize, oh, this is not profitable at all. (laughs) But I realize that after I've actually created the whole thing and and launched it, that I'm like, oh, wait, I have to sell like a lot of these. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's to be a thousand dollar dog bed. (laughs) So there's more to it than just being creative. It's trying to have that business 
sense around what's profitable and how can I make this efficiently, but still high quality, Right. juggling a lot of different aspects. And so all of your products are made in the USA, right? Yep. Yeah. So we make all the dog bed covers here in Somerville, um, Massachusetts, which is just outside of Boston. And then we also do the bandanas and collars here as well. So I have a studio in the basement of my home where we have all the sewing machines and And you are making things yourself? Yes. So I'm making, and then I also have a seamstress that works for me. And then kind of as the business grew, I needed to hand off some aspect of the business. So I kind of keep hold of more of the like administrative business side of things and then also design. But um, Jamie, who's uh, our amazing seamstress, works with us as well. And she so she does a lot of the making. And then the pillows, that is something we have manufactured out in California. Um, We found a great partner to work with um, and they make really high quality pet pillows. So we designed something that's exclusive for our brand, but it's really important for me to kind of support manufacturing within the US, which can be a challenge just in terms of finances. But right. yeah, that's something important to me. So we're making yeah, it work. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt the interview, but I want to tell you about an online summit happening this July designed just for petpreneurs like us. The Empowered Petpreneur is an interview series that will teach you how to feel at ease while confidently running and growing a successful pet business. There's about 20 experts on board, including me, and it's all being led by Michaela Samuels of Pet Marketing Unleashed. You'll get our expert advice on all the business topics you need to know about, from social media and branding to Facebook ads and blogging, plus a ton more. The best part of this series is that it is totally free. That's right, (laughs) F-R-E-E, to get access just go to bit.ly slash EP all access and Michaela will make sure you're all set to go. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash E-P all access. The E-P stands for Empowered Petpreneur because that is what you are, girl. As you were looking to hire a seamstress, what were some of the questions that you would ask or like what kind of advice would you have for someone who is looking to hire maybe a seamstress or maybe just like their, you know, first kind of employee or, you know, helper in that sense. Mm -hmm. It's a balance of finding somebody that has the skills that you need, but also being able to find somebody that like you can work with really well. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a good friend of yours. Sometimes it's just finding like a good complimentary personality. So I kind of approached it like sitting down, making a list of everything that I was looking for. So making that list and then kind of starting to write a job description from those points. Mm -hmm. And then also just making sure that I communicated what our company values are, kind of just a little brief description of who we are. And then one little trick I always do with writing job descriptions is... I find when hiring, you get a lot of applications of people that don't actually like really care about what you're doing. So trying to sift through like people that just click apply and like a resume that talks about sales or something that's like completely unrelated to the the job. And so I'll usually say like in the subject line, and then I give a like, you have to write 
the subject as the specific phrase. So seamstress application for colorful dog beds or just something that's very specific, but it just means that that person has actually read the job description and is, I wanted somebody that was detail oriented. So if yeah. you if you can read through that and then follow those directions, like you pass the first test. Right. The first test is like an unspoken <laughs> question. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of uh, like you hear about in music, it's like the brown M&M clause or something where like all the brown M&Ms have to be removed from the bowl of M&Ms in their dressing room. And it's just, it's, they're kind of testing the yeah the venue to see if they've like read the contract. <laughs> yeah. Or how dedicated they are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I was really curious about in your business is looking at where your dog beds are carried. They're carried all over the world, which I think is so awesome that like people in Japan and Australia are buying lion and wolf dog beds and accessories and stuff. So how did you go about like getting contacts in places like Japan and Australia and all over the world? And when were there any unexpected challenges that came with that? So to be honest, that side, the wholesale side has grown pretty organically, which I think is pretty cool. It's something that I could definitely put more time into. But I think it was a combination of some like press and having companies so that several places in Asia, like Hong Kong, they seem to really respond to our design aesthetic. So I'm guessing they probably see their not competitors, but fellow company, fellow product companies carrying us and get inspiration there. But also, yeah, pressdogmilk.com mm-hmm. is a great place for us to find customers, whether they're wholesale or consumers. Um, just I, in the beginning, I made a big effort to get our name out there. And then that really, I think, opened the doors for other people to find us as well. But definitely have reached out to companies as well, like pitching them uh, just about our products and sending out our line sheet. Oh, and then so the the challenges, I'd say shipping is actually one of the bigger logistical yeah, challenges. Yeah, that's what I was wondering, because it, it's probably really expensive. It's really expensive, especially shipping internationally. So to be honest, a lot of the things that we do sell abroad tend to be the bandanas and collars just because mm-hmm. they're a lot more economical to ship. But saying that there are some companies that are really like our products and they want dog beds. So we make it work. And I mean, that's something challenge I've worked with our pillow manufacturer. They've helped find ways to just pack things as efficiently as possible. But even so, then you're sometimes limited by like, there's a maximum dimension of box size but it depends on the country. So it's just, there's just a lot of learning every time you chip to a new country. You got to do some research and find out about what the restrictions are. Wow. And do you do that through like whatever their postal services has like a list of those restrictions? Yeah, usually USPS is the way that I tend to ship internationally just because their customs and duties. Mm-hmm. They have less kind of, I don't want to say hidden fees, but UPS will tend to there's extra fees on top of the shipping, whereas USPS, it's like all included. So if you get into the depths of their website, you can find all those things. And then just a lot of Googling. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not as uh, straightforward as it should be. But no, nothing ever is. <laughs> when I first launched my online store, like that was the big wild card was shipping. I was like, how am I going to send these things like when people place an order and it was Mm -hmm. like 
I mean, I guess like there probably were ways to do it, but I just couldn't figure out a way to figure it out in advance. I was like, I just need to open it and launch everything and have someone place an order. Like I had my sister Mm -hmm. do the first order to test it out. But I was like, the only way to really see if it works is to just do it for real. Um, There's not always like a lot of ways to test stuff. Yeah, definitely trial and error. And like, some hopefully it works, but sometimes it doesn't. And you just have to like learn from those mistakes and fix it and move on. Yeah, exactly. So do you have anyone in your life that you turn to for business advice? Because it's hard being a solopreneur. (laughs) Yeah. Who do you get great advice from? I have a kind of a handful of people that I definitely turn to for the main advice, but I, I really do try to draw from as many people as possible, even if it's just like close friends bouncing off, like, do you like the way this pattern looks with this typing and you know how they respond to things or like even coming up with the names for some of the designs that we use like we have a a chevron pattern that's blues and greens and i think i used ask my friends for ideas what to call it and we came up with sea glass but it's just bouncing those ideas off people but for business advice my dad is somebody that i turn to a lot he used to be the president of a company that made uniforms so he has a lot of business experience, manufacturing experience. Textile. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting. Like when I was little, I never really thought about it that much that he was like technically working in fashion. When he started (laughs) out, he was fixing sewing machines and he's helped me fix up my sewing, one of my sewing machines that I have, one of the industrials. Um, So that's been kind of fun to turn to him for advice my husband has done a lot of work with sales and also manufacturing. So he's somebody, again, that I can get advice. He's been really helpful in terms of like talking to customers and even just if, if somebody's upset about something, how to get back to them in, in an appropriate way to make them happy. Because um, happy customers are something that's like super important to me. So yeah, I always want to make things right. But, but I'd say 99% of the time it's fine, but every once in a while something happens and you got to figure out a way to to resolve it in a good way. And there's another man that my dad used to work with as well that has a wholesale food company. So he's been really helpful as well, just getting advice on even just like setting up website and SEO, all those little things. Yeah. There's so much that goes into everything. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot. (laughs) So, okay. I always like to ask people this so I can learn for myself, (laughs) but (laughs) do you have any favorite tools or resources to make all of this run seamlessly for yourself? Let's see. So I use Shopify for Mm -hmm. my website. Um, I think it's great, super user-friendly for if you don't know anything about building a website, but also if you do know HTML and CSS, you can like get into the back end, just tweak little things like I want this button to have this color and this color font. So I have been kind of learning, like teaching myself HTML over the years, just to kind of like, I tend to be a perfectionist and I want everything to look exactly how I want it. Yeah. So Shopify is a great resource for building your own web shop. Um, I use Adobe Photoshop and Illustrator all the time for all my design. I don't know, just graphic design and I just use it for everything. Um, I just have like an old copy that is now that's like a 
web-based subscription, but I have the like old hard copy and just make it work. That's what <laughs> um, I have too. And like sometimes, like right now, some my computer updated somehow. And so now if I click on a paintbrush and I look at like the different paintbrushes available, mm-hmm. they like the previews don't show up anymore. So I like just have to click randomly oh. until <laughs> I find like a square or a round or whatever I'm looking for. <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely a few of those things. This is like, sounds so basic, but literally just like the internet, I'll just, there's something I can't figure <laughs> Wait, out. Just you use Google the it. internet for your business? <laughs> That's a stupid answer. Um, but I don't know. I just feel like sometimes people think there's like a, a really streamlined way of finding information. And sometimes it's just like reading a lot of different stuff and sifting through or like looking at a forum and seeing how other people shipped something abroad and yeah you're right problems they ran into so it's just trying to draw from a lot of different sources okay that's all very very helpful I'm going to uh (laughs) I'm gonna be googling things I guess (laughs) no it really was helpful Tara (laughs) before we go we have to talk about your dog because that's the whole point of why we all do what we do so tell us about Fife so Fife is a miniature schnauzer it's like five and a bit yeah, she's a character. She is very opinionated and very talkative or vocal. Like she, we say that she makes Wookiee noises and <laughs> she kind of like huffs and puffs and she sometimes snorts like a pig. So she has yeah all sorts of different like little barks and snorts that mean different things. And then saying the Wookiee thing, she actually really loves Chewbacca. She has like a Chewbacca, she has several Chewbacca toys that she treats as like her babies basically it's like those are the really special special toys (laughs) that she grooms yes her boyfriends yes exactly Um, (laughs) hilarious loves playing she's very yeah very terrier personality and she's probably helped you a lot in designing all of your stuff right yeah she's definitely like tests everything for me will help point out any issues or weak spots, which is great. And then sometimes she'll do modeling for me, but she's actually, she'll do it if there's enough treats involved. But my sister's dog, Toots, is also somebody that we've used for the uh, modeling as well. And she's actually like loves modeling, which is hilarious. But like, as soon as she gets in front of the camera, she actually literally will pose for the camera. It's really funny. So we use her as well. <laughs> I love it. You know, I have two dogs, Bert and Lucy, and Bert is my rescue, and he is such a ham. Like, I just did a round of photos the other day mm-hmm. with my photographer, and I'm going through them, and I'm like, there's, like, no photos of Lucy in here <laughs> because, <laughs> because Bert just, like, gets himself in front. He wants to be the center of attention. He, like, smiles for the camera, and then Lucy is in the background with resting bitch face. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that probably would be the Tuts and Fife dynamic. Yeah, it's so funny. It's so funny. <laughs> well, this was so great getting to talk to you. Um, unfortunately, we're out of time for this episode. So please tell us where everyone can find Lion and the Wolf online. So you can find us on our website, which is www.lionandwolf.co. We also are on Etsy lion and wolf pets and then we are technically on social media but that is one of my not my strong suits of updating (laughs) um but we are on instagram so again lion and wolf pets you can find us there awesome thank you so much sarah thank you nice meeting you thank you for listening to the wear wag repeat podcast 
You can fetch show notes at wearwagrepeat.com. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And until next time, we'll see you around the dog park.